Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. If you've been around the church any length of time, you know people get funny about money. And uh, it's not just around the church, though. It's actually in the world. And uh, you know what's worse than being ignorant of a subject? Of being ignorant and miserable. (laughs) Not just being ignorant, but ignorant and miserable. And uh, our heart is that we would not be ignorant nor miserable, but we would know what God's will is regarding stewardship in His kingdom. And I want to read one scripture up front today. It comes from the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. Galatians 6 and verse 5. For each one shall bear his own load. Each one shall bear his own load. If you didn't receive a sermon card today, you can raise your hand and one will be uh, delivered to you um, in this moment. Yes. I want to teach a message to you today titled, Stewardship, Stand in It. Stewardship, Stand in It. Before I do, I'd like to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your kingdom that it's here. I thank you that it's a kingdom, Lord, that encompasses all of our life. That includes stewardship. So, Lord, we look to you as our helper, that you would give us revelation, you would give us your wisdom, you would give us insight, you would give us understanding of how your kingdom operates, not the kingdoms of this world that are passing away. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. I acknowledge my need of you. Be the voice behind the voice. Make much of Jesus. For this we give you praise. Amen. Stewardship, by definition, is a person who acts as a surrogate or a stand-in of another, especially by managing property, financial affairs, and estate, etc. In fact, it also, by definition, means the responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving. When you think about biblical stewardship, you find pretty early on, that biblical stewardship requires having to give an account. In fact, Luke 16.2 speaks of that. Paul also in Romans 14 in verse 12 states, So then each of us shall give an account of himself or herself to God. Notice that when the Bible speaks of stewardship, there's an accounting. That we're going to give an account for it. Because stewardship is considered scripturally as being entrusted with something. Entrusting. Now for us here today that has faith in Jesus, for us here today that believe that the kingdom of God is at hand, that the kingdom of God is here, this gives us a perspective that God gives us things which we are responsible to steward. For instance, we are to steward the following scripturally. The stewarding of the gospel. Every follower of Jesus Christ is to be faithful in stewarding the gospel. Holding fast not to what 
we want to be true, but what's already been declared and set as true in God's will. Also, the stewarding of our finances. Did you know that the stewarding of our finances is not just for some believers? It's for all followers of Christ. Also, the stewarding of our opportunities. It's interesting that every follower of Christ is called to steward our opportunities, but you'll find that your ability to respond correctly and steward opportunities is greatly affected by your ability to steward the gospel and steward your finances. For those of us that are married here today or who desire to be, we are called in stewarding of the mystery of Christ as revealed in the mystery of marriage. For those who have children here today, there is a stewarding of our children. And the call for us, the call for us as stewards is that we would be what? Found faithful. Now faithfulness is an interesting thing because according to Galatians 5, faithfulness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Meaning God does not leave us up to ourself. He doesn't leave us up to our own intellect. He doesn't leave us up to our own ability to be a faithful steward. He has provided the helper, the Holy Spirit, to empower us, to teach us, to lead us, to enable us to be a faithful steward. That's good news today. That's why the gospel is good news, is that God has provided an enablement through the ministry and the work of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit for us to be faithful in our stewarding. Under this anchor value of stewardship, you find two of our eight core values here as a community, a follower, a community of followers of Jesus Christ. These two core values are molding the foundations of many generations. This includes the importance as a community that we hold fast to the value of both preparing and equipping people for healthy marriages. Listen, you don't get healthy marriages without healthy people. Listen, marriage is not something outside of the people that are in it. It's the people that are in it that create the marriage. So when you think about stewardship, it's stewarding through preparation and equipping people that are entering in to marriage that they would be healthy because only healthy people create healthy marriages. And then healthy marriages create a context for godly families. Families so that the next generation of Jesus followers, of Jesus laborers, can be developed within. Hallelujah. Also, you find under this anchor value of stewardship, uh, one of our eight core values of missional stewardship. Missional stewardship with our finances and with our opportunities. When thinking about this anchor value of stewardship, I want us to look at three things regarding it. Scope, supply, and the starting point. Will you say that with me? Scope, supply, and the starting point. Let's talk now about the scope. 
When you think about the scope in regards to stewardship, you find out that God has put upon yourself, each person has the responsibility to bear the load and the responsibility of stewarding your vision. There is to be a stewarding of your vision. Vision for life, vision of purpose. And I have found personally that on my own and by myself, I will never end up with the big enough vision for my life. That if I'm left to myself, I will end up having a vision and an expectation that is smaller than God's vision and my role in His vision. Anybody testify to that? This is why when God saves people, He doesn't leave them to themselves. He brings us in a body that helps us steward that the scope of our vision, the scope of our purpose would be sufficient. You know what this means? It means we're to be learners. We're to be teachable. Without it, you'll always have an insufficient small vision. In fact, you'll get around people, and people who have small vision are people that haven't been around people that have been around people who have large vision. Small vision comes about from staying to yourself. We need each other. But as a church, as a community of followers of Jesus Christ here at Dwelling Place, we're also called to faithfully steward our scope regarding God's vision and God's scope for us as a community. That we are to steward it faithfully. We are to steward the scope of what God's called us to be. Of what God wants to do in us and through us for His glory. More than we could ever imagine or ever think. This is why Jesus, after His resurrection, you know what He begins to do first? He begins to set the scope and the vision of His followers because He knows if left to themselves, their scope and vision for life, for God's purpose, for God's future for them will become too small. So Jesus sets the scope and He sets the scope for us as a community today. And regarding stewardship in Matthew 28 and 18, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me. Watch this. In heaven and in earth. That's a beautiful scope. We don't want believers that are too earthly and we don't want believers that are just too heavenly. We need to understand the scope of Jesus is that there's authority for heavenly things and earthly things and the kingdom of God is where they collide. The manifestation of God is where they collide. What's he say? Go therefore and make disciples of some nations. No, no, all nations. Baptizing them just in the name of the Father. Nope. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe just some things. No, no, no. To observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you just sometimes in the best of times, in the good times, on the times that you really want me. No. All times. All times. What do we see? We see Jesus is setting the scope of the vision we have to faithfully steward and hold fast to. In this scope, you find that we're to steward the whole process. That there's a holistic process in becoming a disciple. He doesn't just say, hey, just baptize them. 
He doesn't just say, hey, be missional, be all about what's happening outside the church and just always go but never make. No, no, no. He doesn't say just make and never teach. What he's saying is, I need your scope. You need to faithfully steward the whole process that I've designed to see people truly become kingdom disciples. And we collectively as a church are to steward the whole thing. Now I know you have a passion for some of those things more than others, but you got to make sure that you steward faithfully God's scope of the whole process because when your scope is too narrow and you don't see the whole process, you will inevitably actually become more insufficient in the one thing you are passionate about. Because you won't know its place and how it fits and you won't be able to work with others. You won't be able to get along and be able to value the things that God's put in them to value. We all need to submit to the scope of stewarding the whole process. Not just the whole process though, the whole gospel. The whole gospel. Notice what Jesus said, all things I've commanded you. We have to be faithful to steward the whole gospel, not just the parts of Scripture that we like. There's some bitter herbs of Scripture. There's some sweet honey of Scripture. But we have to have a scope to steward faithfully the whole gospel. Jesus said in Matthew 13, 52, Therefore every scribe instructed, not one left to themselves, not one to try to figure out their own scope of what they're to steward, they'll become too narrow. But when they're instructed, guess what they'll be instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven? It's like a householder who brings out of his treasure, watch this, things new and things old. You know what that is? That's the whole gospel. Whole gospel. Paul said the elders in Acts 20 that he was faithful in declaring the whole counsel of God. You don't get faithfulness in stewarding without a whole gospel, without a whole counsel. That 1 Thessalonians 2.4, Paul said he'd been entrusted with the gospel by God. Wow. Boy, it hit me in all-night prayer. It it, it became almost overwhelming. (laughs) That being the elect is a burden in and of itself. Knowing the grace and mercy of God, it's a burden in and of itself. If you could have heard the burden that that put on people, that they're elect, they're in Christ now, and yet they have family members that are still outside. That's a burden. Oh, dear God, it's a burden. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.20 to guard what was committed to his trust. Notice that. This is stewarding our scope, the scope of seeing the whole gospel. Listen, we have a whole gospel for a whole life. You know why so often parts of our life is so miserable, so bankrupt from the resources of God and God's goodness? It's because we've not stewarded faithfully our scope in the whole gospel. You can't get a whole life without a whole gospel. It's like you can't get a a whole nutrients, all the nutrients you need just eating carrots. Some of you, you've been eating too many and you're looking a little orange actually. No, I'm joking. But we have a whole gospel for a whole life. Ain't that good? See, we are called to love God with all our heart. With all our soul, our mind, our strength, and our relationships. That's a whole life. That's not just an aspect of life. 
We're not to just love God with our mind and not be passionate. We're not to just be passionate and be ignorant and not have our mind aligned with God's truth. No, we are called to love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, and relationships, a whole life. Without it, you know what you have? You have compartmentalization. And I found personally in my life that the greatest empowerment to anxiety ever in my life normally is rooted in a compartmentalized area of my life. Of an area where I don't come to know yet or understand or appropriate or experience how there's a whole gospel for my whole life, even this area of my life. So what happens? I have been trained, been modeled. I have been grown up with the thinking that this area of my life, the Lord leaves up to me to figure out or handle on my own. Well, guess what that creates for anyone who has any type of self-awareness? Consciousness, because we're not God. But you know what? Also, there's to be the stewardship of our scope and seeing the whole Jesus. The whole of who Jesus is. All His character, all His ways, all His wisdom. Luke 9, 26, Jesus says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words. Notice He says, me and my words, because you can't separate His words from who He is. Because Jesus was the Word of God. To reject His words is to reject Him. It's not to accept the whole Jesus. And if the one who does that, of Him the Son of Man will be ashamed when He comes in His own glory and in His fathers and His holy angels. Remember what Jesus said in the gospel? He said, don't just teach people to identify and know just the Father. He said, teach them to identify, to be baptized and immersed in the reality of the whole Godhead, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Immersed in all. Some of us, based on our upbringing, based on hurts, identifies more readily in the beginning with one aspect of the Godhead. We had a great father, but we didn't have necessarily a, a Lord and, and, a, and a great friend. So Jesus, we really identify with him. Other of us didn't have a great father. So we look to the Holy Spirit, who we can't see and can't feel, but we find this comfort. But we have to accept the whole Godhead. We want to learn to identify and be immersed in all who God is, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the deep communion. But also notice what Jesus said in the text. In stewarding the scope of our vision, the scope of His vision for us and our role in it is the whole world. Whole world. All nations, all people, all races, all children. This is His scope. I mean, it's amazing that in the body of Christ, people who are men and women of God still speak that there's a black church or a white church or a Hispanic church. The scope's too narrow. Jesus says all nations, all people, all races, all children. It's the church of Jesus Christ. Luke 18 and 16, but Jesus called him and said, let the little children come to me. Do not forbid them. Watch this. For such is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God belongs to children. The kingdom of God is like children. In fact, the writer of Hebrews, he speaks of the kingdom of God being our birthright. But people like Esau despise its call. You know, I found that when our scope is not stewarded well, we will inevitably feel insufficient. We'll feel insufficient because when our scope is too narrow and we're not submitted stewardly in a faithful stewarding way, 
to the scope set by Jesus the King. We'll feel insufficient because our scope won't include that He has all authority. Or we'll feel insufficient because our scope won't be big enough that He's always with us, whether we feel it or not. But there, whether you feel it or not, there is the possibility of walking in the Spirit, which means living second by second, conscious and aware that He's with you, whether you feel it or not. He feels Him. Yeah. The kingdom is yours, buddy. Feel it. When our scope is not stewarded well, we will inevitably get lost. We'll get lost in life. Our scope will be too narrow. When our scope is not stewarded well, we will inevitably fall captive to racism, sectarianism, ageism, and nationalism. It's all nations. It's all people. It's all races. It's all children. When our scope is not stewarded well, we will inevitably accept another Jesus. Oh, just the guru, man. Just peace and love. Yeah, good works. Woo! No accountability, no judgment. No repentance. Or all condemnation, all ridge rules, and no grace and empowerment in changing our hearts so that we have the capacity to even want to do what He asks us to do. When our scope is not stewarded well, we'll inevitably compartmentalize our life. Yeah, Sunday, I'm a child of God, I'm with it. Then I go back to life. There's no compartmentalization. It's a whole gospel for a whole life. When our scope is not stewarded well, we'll inevitably reject the design methodology and methods of God for us. And for most of us, I understand because I'm like you, human, touched with the infirmities and the weaknesses of sin and the frailty of sin and fallenness upon our flesh and our intellect and our soul. For most of us to see the scope and the vastness of it without seeing the supply that God has for it would immobilize us, paralyze us from doing anything. But the stewardship of our scope then leads to the stewardship of the supply. God has a supply for His scope. Come on. God has a supply. He has a supply for the areas that we are going to give an account that we are to steward faithfully. Notice what Jesus said. Let's talk now about the supply. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Listen, that's a supply. Jesus said, the Father's given me all authority in heaven and earth. That is a supply. And it's a sufficient supply. God has supplied in Christ the authority to reach the scope of His plan. See, when my scope is narrow, I feel lost, immobilized, feel helpless, feel like there's not a possibility. But when I steward the scope sufficiently and I see that it's all nations and all people and it's an all, all gospel and it's all who Jesus is, then I believe and begin to have confidence Then God has a sufficient supply for His plan to come about. And you know how God supplies? He supplies through seed. Seed has been supplied by God. The seed of His Son, Jesus Christ, who has all authority. This is how God supplies. You look at areas of your life and you look at wrong mentalities, you look at hurts, you look at wrong desires, wrong affections, you, you look at 
things and character issues and, and empowerment to wrong behaviors and dysfunction in your life? Well, guess what? God has provided in His seed, Jesus, what is needed for those areas of our life. Hallelujah. He's not asking me to become what I'm not. He's asking me to accept I can't become what I'm not. And that's why he sent the seed Jesus. And in Jesus is the character I need to become conformed to Jesus. You don't get Jesus without Jesus in the equation. Chad plus Chad is Chad. In the Greek, it would be a lot worse. <laughs> it would smell a lot worse. It's Chad crucified, subtracted, plus Christ equals Christ. It's leaning not in my own understanding and acknowledging Christ's understanding that you get His understanding. God has provided a supply for what you need, what I need in character and mind and life, and it's in Christ, the seed, the Son that He sent. The seed of His Word, which accomplishes what He gave it for. When God looked down at earth and He saw barrenness, He saw barrenness, His image was not found on the earth anymore. And now He's seeing the image of Adam and Eve and their fallenness. He's seeing the image of man and what man looks like living on their own and their own sufficiency apart from God. And He's seeing strife and envy and murder and greed and evil idolatries and all these desires. When He looks at the barrenness on the earth, He doesn't send an organization. He sends a son, He sends a seed. Today God looks and He sees barrenness in our community and he, he sees barrenness maybe in our own heart and areas of character and He sees barrenness on the world and guess what? He has supplied the answer to the barrenness through the seed He sent, Jesus Christ. The hope of the nations is Christ. God has supplied seed. Look at this in Philippians 4, 19. Look at it with me. Paul writes to the Philippians. He said, listen, I need you to start understanding how the participation and the experience of the kingdom of God is. Now you can look to the things in Philippi and find out what that looks like, but I want to tell you that you can be in Philippi and find out how the kingdom works. I want to tell you today you can be in Woodstock, but in Woodstock still find out how the kingdom of heaven works. What's he say? He said, and my God will meet. I love that. See, God has to become my God. God can't stay your grandparents' God and your mama's God and your daddy's God and your parents' God. God got to become my God. See, he's not just a hypothetical God to me. He's not just a hypothetical father to me. He's not a hypothetical and a theoretical distant God. He's my God. He was my God in the psych ward. He was my God through my parents' divorce. He was my God through the bondages that he led me out of. He is not just God. He is my God. And Paul had that understanding. He's my God, and because I know he's my God and I've experienced him as my God, I can confidently tell every one of you in love today, he'll supply your need. Woo! But how will he do it? According means it's joined to something. God supplies joined to something. How will he do it? Keep reading. He'll meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in the seed, Jesus Christ. God supplies in the seed. 
in the seed is all these little seeds for every area of our life and every area of our character and every area regarding life and godliness. The supply for all the needs regarding our scope is in Christ Jesus. That's why Hebrews, the writer, what does he say? you got to keep your eyes on Jesus because that's where the supply, that's where the seeds are for the needs that you become aware of. The seed of his son, all that he is, his character is mine. The seed of his word, the promises in his word that are not yes and maybe, but yes and amen. But you know what? You know another supply? It's the seed, but it's the seed of the womb. When God looks upon the earth and he looks upon the barrenness of the earth, he provides seed to supply the needs on the earth. What it means is is God gives children as being answers to earth, earth's problems. Listen, every one of you here was someone's natural seed. And yet, you are made by God, designed by God, made for God as an answer to needs on the earth. You exist to bring the image of God and the kingdom of God to areas on this earth where there's barrenness in the kingdom of darkness. Wow. I told the early gathering, Michelle and I was driving out in the back country and we came across this old country sign. And, and, and theo, theologically, it's not completely correct, but the heart of it gets me back to this point. It might help you. It said, you were asking God to find the cure for those issues and diseases. And he sent the children who would do it, but you aborted them. Listen. Now, those diseases don't necessarily still exist because of that case, but here's the point. The way God extends the kingdom, a kingdom of peace and joy and healing and restoration and heals us from emotional abuse and the dysfunctions and the wrong ways of what life is when we as humans seek to do it on our own terms and our own will. Listen, He gives seed and He gives the seed of humans. When God looked to the barrenness of the earth and He wanted His image and He wanted His goodness to go where there's barrenness, He wanted His joy and His righteousness and His love and His mercy and His grace to go where there was barrenness of that, what did He do? He sent the Son, sent the seed. What this means is it's part of the seed that God supplies to deal with needs all around us. And for the scope of his vision to be fulfilled on earth is the natural seed. It's our children. That children is a supply of arrows that are to be directed towards targets that God wants to hit with his will. Wow. So it's Psalms 127.4 says, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. But do we have the right scope? Because if we don't steward the right scope, what happens is as parents who has some of that supply of our natural seed, who's received a supply of arrows, we look at them and we put on them our wants for them instead of God's purpose for them. 
I can't tell you the amount of conversations just in the young life of this church that I've had with people in college or, or young career people, and they feel imprisoned invisibly, and yet it affects them emotionally and physically by the wants of their parents instead of the wants of their God. Well, when we don't have the right scope as parents, that's inevitable. That they were given as an arrow because God has a target of where He wants to reveal His goodness and His kingdom and His mercy and His power through them. Come on. Now, I know because we're right there with you, parents, that there's more laundry now. But listen, there's not just more laundry now, there's more hands. They have to be trained to lead their own life. Mamas and daddies can't follow us around our whole life. So yeah, there's more laundry, there's, but there's more hands. There's more arrows to be developed to lead life, prepared for the life and God's wants for them. You know what's happened when as parents we don't have the right scope? We seek to live our childhood through them instead of surrounding them with the scope of God's target for them and let them know you're my natural seed, but the one who created you, who, who wants to be your God, he He's got a target for you. He's designed you to reveal His kingdom in an area. Hallelujah. You know what else? How God supplies seed for the scope of His vision that we're to steward? Through the supply of financial seed. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 and 11 and 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11 Paul talks about the supply of financial seed. There is a seed of finances. And Jesus teaches very clearly that finances are given as a supply, as seed, watch this, to make friends through mammon for the cause of the kingdom of God. That we're to use mammon, filthy lucre that's passed through all these businesses and hands and, man, is there anything that ever gets me, you know, gung-ho about hand, sanit hand sanitizer, it's on the money days. Filthy lucre all over. But he says use that to make friends for the kingdom of God. Use it to build bridges and friendships with people. Because people are like you and I without Christ and they're greedy and self-centered. And when you do good for them and use money to help them, they're always okay with that. It becomes a leverage to reveal the kingdom and the gospel to them. Make friends with it. But the question is, do we have the right scope? Because seed, listen, is given for it not to remain in the state it comes. Think about it. When a seed is given, it's given so it doesn't remain in that state. Listen, the seed is to be sown and then it comes in another form when the harvest comes. Or a seed is given and it's not to remain in its current form, it's to be increased. When God gives financial seed to you, 
it is a seed and it's not to stay in the form that you receive it. It's in seed form. But if you don't understand it's seed, you will not sow it and use it correctly and it will never reach the intended form that God had for it. The intended form of His kingdom, multiplication, and to be used for His glory. When we don't have the right scope to see that finances is a seed provided by God, you know what happens? We eat our seed instead of sowing seed because we have greed. Greed is desire, and it's an evil desire, listen, for the immediate over the future. And that is when we don't see finances as a seed, but we see finances as the end form. Listen, Jesus said, no, no, no. Use finances to get to the end form of revealing the kingdom to people. When we see finances as the end form, then what do we do? We use it for the temporary because we think it's in the final state. Listen, when you get finances, it's not in the final state. But when you're living for the immediate, that's a, that's a desire and greed. You know what you do? You spend it or you eat it. You don't sow it. If you go get a seed, a tomato seed, you got two options. That tomato seed is not in the final form that it's intended. But if you're all about immediate and you're starving, you can try to eat that seed, but it's still going to leave you what? It's not going to fulfill but if you would let that seed be planted and sown in due time, it would come in a form that would bring some fulfillment. What it means is when we don't have the right scope, we live for the temporary. And we see money as the final form when it's just in seed form. The final form is how it's used to manifest the kingdom to people. How did Jesus manifest the kingdom? Well, one of the ways is he had a treasury filled with financial seed and he went about serving people with that financial seed. Listen, we will spend and scatter seed instead of sowing seed when we have unbelief in the way the kingdom works and we have a limited scope. Temporary scope. We don't understand that the kingdom... You have to sow and you have to release it and watch then God work and begin to multiply and grow it, but it doesn't remain in the state that it comes into your hands. We are called to faithfully steward the seed. Here's another way to say it. The seed is the supply for the scope we steward faithfully. When you begin to hold fast to the scope and the vision of God, he will send the supply to you, but it will come in seed form. But without the right scope, we don't recognize it as seed. We recognize it as the final form. And therefore, we don't steward it faithfully. Okay? It's very, very important. If we do not steward our scope faithfully, how can we steward our supply faithfully? So what do we do now? It's a great question leads us lastly to the starting point. See, for many, seeing the full scope and even seeing how the full supply comes without knowing where to start or where you are currently at, 
It immobilizes you. To see the full scope and to see that God has a supply, but not understanding where to start, people say, I don't know what to do. And so when people, when you and I don't know what to do, guess what we do? We do nothing. So what's the starting point? Starting point is think about a a scope on a gun. A scope on a gun allows you to see the goal and see the target, but it's not where you actually start, and it's not where you actually currently are. You're able to see long-term, and because you're able to see long-term and have the full scope, it leads you to make decisions in the now, where you're at. So the starting point, listen, is where you are currently at and with what you currently have. There's no condemnation for where you used to be. And there's no condemnation for where you should be in your scope, in your stewarding, in your finances. Where we're accountable for right now is where we are at and with what we do have. There's no condemnation for your past. Let that go and let the gospel empower you for where you're at and with what you do have now. Think about this. God comes to Moses and He gives Moses His scope. Moses says, oh my gosh, i got to steward this vision. This vision you have, God, that you, you, you care more than just about me, but you have people that are in bondage and are oppressed and are moaning and are in dysfunction and are in bondage, and you want to liberate them, and you want to bring them into a place of joy and fulfillment. You want them to experience houses they didn't build and vineyards and, and things that they didn't plant. Oh my gosh, what a, what a vision. It seems overwhelming, God. I'm just a man. Where do I start? You know what God said? What's in your hand? You start with where you're at. You start with what's in your hand. And that rod that Moses already had in hand, it became the supply of God's power for the scope of vision. The supply of God's power to need it for the whole scope that Moses had to steward of the vision of God, it was all found in seed form in that rod. What about Shamal? Shamal was in the middle of a lentil field. Didn't seem like much, might not seem like much to you, but it's where he was at and it's with what he had. And the Philistines, the ways of the world started showing up. The ways of the Philistines just lived for the immediate. And you know what? The Philistines' ways and mentalities began to try to get in his lentil field. And the Bible says he stood in his lentil field and he began to fight against the ways of the Philistines. Listen, you got to begin to fight away the way the world teaches you about money. The way the enemy teaches you about money. The way the flesh teaches you about money. The way about every one of your upbringing taught you about money. You got to stand in the middle of your lentil patch. You got to stand in the midst of where you're at with what you have and begin to stand against it for the glory of God. What about Gideon? Gideon's hiding in a wine vat threshing wheat. Because he's like us. He had some concerns and He didn't want oppression and he didn't want all the attention of the enemy and he had some fears and he had some insecurities and an angel appears to him. And guess what the angel did? Well, let me tell you what he didn't do. He didn't start saying deal with every one of those fears. 
He didn't say start dealing with every one of those insecurities. He didn't say get focused on all that's got to happen. You know what the angel said? Let me tell you where God says to start. Start with the might that you do have. Woo! He doesn't say don't get overwhelmed with the might that you don't have. He said you start with the might you do have. I want to tell some people today, start with the courage that you do have and let go of worrying about the courage you don't have. He started with where he was at and with what he had. Now for each of us, due to sin, due to the fallenness of the world, we all begin to experience things regarding the supply of God without having sufficient scope. In fact, the Scriptures witness saying that people, they turn to their own ways and they begin to worship the, the works of their own hands. And, but it said God did not leave Himself without a witness to all nations. You know what? He supplied rain and He supplied sun so that food could grow and that people could live. God always provided the supply, and he provided it to nations that didn't understand the scope or the one who supplied it. And so you and I are like that, that we, some of us may be up to this point, but definitely before we came to know Christ in his kingdom, we were receiving supply from God before we knew we were called to steward it. Are you with me? Many of us had already experienced the supply of God's marriage. He who finds a wife finds favor and a good thing. We began to experience the supply of God's natural seed and had children. The, the supply of God's financial seed. We had careers and jobs and finances. And we're experiencing all this unaware of stewardship. That's God's supply. That's normal. We were basically unaware that we were stewards who would give an account. But listen, that's changing today. It's changing now. We can let go of the past... We cannot be overwhelmed with the future and we can start now and we can start with what we do have. Come on. Here's what you begin to hear. You ready? Here's how you start. Faithfully steward what you have already been given. You remember Galatians 6, 5 that for each one shall bear his or her own load. You focus on starting where you're at, not comparing yourself where someone else is at. You start with your load, not comparing yourself with someone else's load. And then you understand what Romans eleven thirty six 36 says. For of Him, of God, and through Him, and to Him are all things. To whom be glory forever and ever. Ezekiel 18 and 4, Behold, all souls are mine. Haggai 2.8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Psalms 50 and verse 10, for every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. Psalms 24 and verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and it's all, in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. That all we actually have is the Lord's. It's from Him and it is given for His use and for His glory. Now listen, this is missional Stewardship. Directing that what we are stewards over and what we have been given, directing it for the mission of God, for the scope of His upward call in Christ Jesus. Now listen, that adds the true worth to what you have. The true worth of my spouse and the true worth of my children and the true worth of my finances and the true worth of my vehicle is that they have been given by God for God. 
That's the value of why I should care to be faithful and trust the Holy Spirit to create the fruit of faithfulness in my stewarding of it. Do you see the value in it? That its worth is that it's for His kingdom. It's for His mission. It's for His glory. If there's to be a stewarding of the gospel, a stewarding of our opportunities, a stewarding of our marriage, a stewarding of our children, but in conclusion, I want to talk about the stewarding of our finances. Yeah. You know why? Because people say money don't matter. Really. Really, if money doesn't matter, then why does it matter in the stewardship of the gospel and spreading the gospel? Oh, you want to build orphanages overseas? Well, how are you going to do that? How are you going to let governments and some governments that don't care about our Christ again, how are you going to let them come in and do that? Well, you're going to have to make friends. And guess how you make friends? They're, they're going to ask for money to pay for the work you need to someone to do the construction to build the orphanage. Let me put it this way. If money doesn't matter then why does it seem to matter so much in being able to take opportunities? God put it on my heart to go to Israel and to learn and be more discipled in the understanding of the gospel and the context. Well, guess what it's going to take to get through that opportunity? Huh? Money. Oh, if money don't matter, then why does it seem to matter so much in our marriage? If money don't matter, then why does it seem to matter so much in the research and the statistics of disagreement, fights, and divorces? So we can hide in a false ideology that money don't matter, but if it don't matter, why does it affect our children so much then in our home? Listen to me. Jesus knows our inability to be faithful with money will affect our ability to be effective for His kingdom. That's why Jesus said, He who is faithful in what is least, Luke 16 and 10, is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, this is Jesus. We talked about money. Why? Because he understood. It's going to greatly affect the ability of our effectiveness for his kingdom. Because he says, if we don't have the faithfulness, if we don't have the character, if we don't have his heart regarding unrighteous mammon, then who would commit to our trust the true riches? One gospel account says the true riches of heaven. Why in the world would God commit to you and I the riches of the most valuable asset on the planet, more people in this church, more people in a community experiencing discipleship and fellowship and worship? If we can't trust and surrender our heart and learn his character regarding a piece of paper. Do you know why money becomes so important? Because money represents, listen, 
your heart. He quoted it, but you know what heart represents in that passage? Your desire. See, and my desire for the temporary is greater than the scope and God's wisdom, then I will allow that desire to cause me to use paper to go eat. So I can look at my checkbook and say, in that moment, me eating was a great desire, right? Enough to spend money. Why would God commit His holy anointing that can cause the lame to walk, blind eyes to see, emotional healing to explode in people's souls where dysfunction and hurts have happened? Why would God commit the true riches of the oil of heaven to be upon our hands, to lay hands on the sick and they recover if we have not yet been faithful in the least of things, unrighteous mammon. It's always a hardening character issue. It's a desire issue. So listen, where do we start? Let me give you some practical points. Number one, you submit as a steward. You go ahead and submit that you're a steward, that here's the kingdom of heaven. Here's what it's like, Matthew 25 and 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. That's a type of Jesus, the heavenly man, going back to heaven, a far country. But when he did, guess what the kingdom's like? He called his servants and delivered, listen, his goods to them. You on giving and gifting teams and serve even in this building, listen, those things we use, the things I use, those are his goods. These are his chairs. This is his signs. This is his flags. This is all stewarding his things. And he gives his goods to them. So number one, you submit as a steward. That's how the kingdom works. Number two, you honor the Lord first. Proverbs 3 and verse 9, you want to get wisdom? Here's wisdom. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. That means whatever's the fruit of your labor, that's increase. Honor the Lord first with it. First. You give to Him in His kingdom in His ways first. You give the first fruits. Give 10%. Can you imagine the amount of opportunities and how much friends we could make with unrighteous mammon in this community and fulfilling what God's called us to do if every person who called this place where God's put them would not sporadically but faithfully give first to the Lord 10%. The Old Testament type is this. There was a woman. She was a widow. God speaks highly of his value of taking care of the helpless, right? The outcast, the widow. Huh? You want to help the marginals of society? Let me go against what the world says is the way. Let me tell you God's way. The prophet comes. He says, I just got a little ingredients for, I was going to make a last cake for me and my boy. Then we'll probably die. The prophet says, no. Make a cake, but instead of you eating it first, give it to me. Because listen, it's not like this in the New Testament. It's not like this now. But in the Old Testament, the prophet represented God on the earth. So what what he's saying is give to God first. And he said, if you'll do that, you'll find that those ingredients in seed form will lead to a supply of all the need you have and extend your influence in your life. How does God say you actually minister then more effectively to the marginal? 
by giving to him first. The prophet was given first, and then, boom, miracle hit. Give first. It's amazing that what, what she did have when it was integrated together, the result was the miraculous. See, listen, it's not the integration of what you once had or what, or what you wish you had that leads to God's work going. It's the integration of what you do have with His kingdom. It's the integration of the possession, the goods, and the financial seed and opportunities you already have. It's the integration of that that multiplication takes place. Give first to the Lord. Secondly, pay yourself. Pay yourself second. Yeah, for your bills. Pay yourself second and put 10% in savings. That leaves you 80%. They say it's not enough. Well, listen, if the 80% is not enough, then there your real issue has been revealed. The real issue is going to be found and discovered in the 80%. That's where the character, that's where the lack of it's revealed. Listen, if it's not enough, then you have two options. You either get a better job or you get another job or you stop spending. That's your option. Either you get more or you spend less. Either you get more or spend less. Let me, let me, listen. This is how much the world around us has trained us wrong. dollar bill. Sorry, it ain't more. <laughs> when I spend or I give this to Tim, listen to me, I no longer have it. This is how the world works. Yes, you keep it. Go. Here you go. Listen. This is how it works. You cannot live in kingdom and reality and think that you can give and spend the money and you still have it. Does it work like that? Mentalities, though, that drive us from the world is we spend and then expect and think we're still going to have enough. It don't work like that. Once you spend the dollar, you no longer have the dollar. So they either you increase the dollars coming in or you spend less. It's that simple. It's that simple in the beginning to start where you're at. Number three, if it seems more complex, here's where number three helps us then with 80%. Think, how can this be used for the kingdom of heaven? Listen, if you start allowing the scope of God's stewardship in your life, then what happens is, is every time you approach something, you think with this mentality, it will serve that. That's actually why the Lord tells us to give first to Him. You know why He tells us to give first to Him? Because it protects our scope and vision. So that when we approach life and things, we'll have this fresh thought and awareness in our mind of what? How can this be used for the kingdom of heaven? If you'll start thinking like this, here's what will happen in your life. Wasteful spending will be cut out. It will. Because you know where wasteful spending comes from? It's not thinking about how can this be used for his kingdom and missional stewardship. Guess what? Spending from wrong desires will be cut out. Impulse spending will be cut away. Debt will come down. Kingdom opportunities will increase. And then number four, 
Start with focusing on being faithful with your own load. For each one shall bear his own load. Don't be distracted from the main issue of your stewardship and your load. Don't be distracted by what you cannot influence, by what you can influence, which is your load, and with the seed you do have. Your marriage, if you're married. Your children, if you're children. Start there. When do you read the Bible to them? When do you pray together? When do you steward your own life and you live a life of worship and your kids see you worship? Listen, I'm telling you, God wants to do so much through this movement and through this church and through dwelling place. But He gave us these core values of saying, this is how designed to get you there. And the supply is in us faithfully stewarding our children and the children of this church and the financial seed He's given us. That will determine the opportunities that unfold before us. Here's what I ask you to do in conclusion. In the chair in front of you, there's a communication card. looks like this. I want to ask you if you're a part of DP regularly to do this. If you're a first-time guest or back in a while, you don't have to do this. But if this place, if you're DP, I want to ask you to take this card and please, unless you want to, but I'm not asking you to write your name on it. Okay, this is anonymous. But I want to ask you to write the amount of financial debt that's in your life right now on this card. And when you leave, the ushers are going to be there. You put it in there because, listen, I'm going to stand before God as a shepherd sent to serve you. And if God has called us as a community to see the multiplication of believers, leaders, and churches, and He gave us these core values of stewarding, our financial seed, and because money does matter, because it always seems to matter in our marriage and how our communication is, and it does seem to matter in our children and the environments that they grow up in, and it seems to matter in our opportunities of can we bless people and give and serve the poor and extend the gospel. I need to know where we're at. Where we're at so that I can begin to hear and believe God of how to start where we're at, invite His help, and us began to see his empowerment by his spirit and his wisdom in our stewardship and our financial stewardship. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.